we are. <clears throat> Been in a little series, and we're just going to keep on with this into this new year and um, sharing some things that, that I, God's put really strong on my heart and um, uh, even, even some, some places that we go this year to preach different places outside of here, we're going to talk about this, this thought that I've given you, this statement that I'm really wanting all of you to think about and meditate on, and that is that, um, that the perception that the world and even a lot of the church has had, or some of the church has had at different times, has been a wrong perception of who God is. And, and your life was created to change that perception day to day. Day to day, you were created to change the perception of God in the world. As, as your perception of God lines up with His Word, then you're able to help other people's perception, their, their vantage point, what, the, the way they see God. Because, you know, some people think God think of God as, as a God that's mad at them, holds things against them, um, that God makes you sick, God desires your life to be an unhappy life. There are a lot of people that think that. They, that's, they view God that way, and, that, and they don't want to serve God. But from my vantage point, God is just good, and He's good only. He only has good in Him. And, and, and all through Scripture, all He has is good for you and I. Amen? Amen? All of humanity, all He has is good for us. So we were created to understand this good life, to help other people understand it in every walk of life, everywhere that your foot touches, everywhere that your presence is, everywhere my presence is, we have that opportunity to help change the perception that people have of God. Because, man, God's goodness is what needs to be alive inside of each and every one of us. And, and that goodness, I'm telling you, it's the, the Scripture describes it. We talked about it several times this year. Um, but that, that goodness of God um, is, is, is manifested. Uh, one, one Scripture says, um, as a sweet, fragrant aroma. In other words, when God's goodness is inside of us, then we put off an odor. A good odor. And, and what we put off is what other people begin to smell. And they don't even realize they're smelling us. But there's something about the presence of God and the goodness of God and who God is that um, people don't need to be afraid of. Um, and and we, don't, we don't need to second-guess God and... and and not know who he is and how he operates. We don't, we don't need to, we don't, we don't need that, you know, going on on the inside of us. And we don't, we don't need to be, we don't need to project that to other people that we don't know God. 
We've got to project to other people that we really know God and that a life with God is really good. This coming year is about that for us. You're going to hear me throughout the the month of January as we bring vision together to our Vision Sunday. Uh, We're we're going to talk about that from a lot of different angles. That the the knowledge and the understanding of God is multifaceted. It's different directions. You can hit it from different angles and and, and that's what we're going to do and, and continue to this. What we've been doing is I've been sharing these on Wednesday nights. Um, and we're going to look at uh, 3 John 2 again tonight and, and spend a little bit more time on a couple of the topics that I've put out there to you. Um, so 3 John, little John's in the back. It's only one chapter, second verse. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy to hear that my children walk in the truth. Well, the title of my message for the last few weeks here on Wednesday has been The Whole Truth, Understanding the Whole Truth. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Understanding what truth really is. And um, I'm going to dig a little deeper in that tonight, and I got several things that I'm going to challenge you in, Um, but they all have to do with truth and what truth really looks like. He, he, He said here that in verse 2, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. So what, what we see in this verse of Scripture, and then, and then in verse 3 and verse 4 and I think in verse 8 or 6 and 8 and um, all the way down to verse 12, a number of these verses of Scripture, we read those in one of the messages talk about the truth. So, he said that I will prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. So, there's a process. What you knew last year is really not going to suffice. You need greater revelation and understanding this year, and in, when next year comes and the years beyond, we need Increase revelation. As my soul is prospering, I'll be in health and I will prosper. That's just the way it works. It's not like, oh my gosh, your soul has to prosper for you to be uh, prosperous and well. No, if the, the soul prosperity is not first and foremost. Knowing God is first and foremost, but as my soul prospers, I know God and then I experience what He has for me. That's what we have to we have to live in that place and, and understand what that really looks like. Amen? It's a process. Um, one of the things that, that I'm seeing is as, as I'm delivering this message is that it, it, it's not a lack. A lot of times it's not a lack of knowledge I mean, in, in some cases, it's a lack of knowledge. 
where, where people don't have um, knowledge of specific things, but in a lot of situations where there's a wrong perception of God, it's because um, we, we've not we've not believed the, the knowledge that we have. We've not uh, been partakers of that. It's not, we've not seen the manifestation. We've not followed through in areas of the knowledge. It's not enough just to know what, you know, things in our head about God and just to have an understanding of the truth itself, but we have to embrace it and believe it, right? That's the issue. So, People can be saved and in church and doing things for years and years and years, but John 8, 32 that we read last week said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth that you know, in the literal it says that, the truth that you know is what will make you free. So it's the truth that I'm engaging in. I have a knowledge of the truth. God said it, God said specific things, but that's not enough that He said it. I have to believe that it's so for me. My life changes the people around me, helps to change the people around me when I believe the truth, not just know the truth, not, or not just have a knowledge of it, but that, I've, that, that it's engaged, it's been downloaded in me. I'm putting it to work on a day-to-day basis, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. We've got to be putting that word to work. Um, so, I've read this each time out of Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 3, and in the last verse. <clears throat> and it says, And if you are Christ's, are you Christ's? Uh, Are you Christ tonight? Say, I am. am. Okay? So, and if you are Christ, and you are, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Promise of what? The promise of the love of God, the promise of health and healing, right? The promise, as we talked about, and we're going to talk a little bit more tonight, the promise of being able to hear God. There's a promise that we can hear His voice. And and when we hear His voice, what are we, we commanded to do? We hear His voice, and then we do what He says. That's where then my life comes into agreement with what God has said. God said, by His stripes I'm healed. I have to come into agreement with that Or just because he says it, it's not going to be enough in a difficult situation or something that's come against my life, my body, or anything else. It's not going to be enough just the fact that he said it, and I read it, and you heard me say it. You've got to take it and do something with it. Can you say amen? Amen. He said, if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, and you are an heir to the promise. The promise of what he said belongs to you. When, when my mother um, 
left this earth when she passed on. Um, she had a little will and testament, and there were some things that were left to all of the family. And there was, some, there was a deed to some certain things that, that um, were pretty valuable at one time. And when that was all separated and read out and everything, then this is what was mine. And when it was read out, it was the last will and testament of my mom, and she left that for me. Well, this is the Bible. I'm showing you because what I'm reading out of tonight. This is the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're talking about in these last few weeks are five things that I think everything else is connected to. As I said, the love of God, health and healing, being able to hear the love of, uh, to hear the voice of God, the uh, uh, prosperity and serving, understanding what the life of serving is really all about. Because when you take those five things that are ours, we are heirs to all of that, to the, to the effects of that and the results of it. What, what is the result of the fact that by His stripes I'm healed? That means that now sickness and disease has no right in my body. See? Things, every one of these promises that we're talking about are what He paid for for us, and then He left them for us. But listen, when my mom left my siblings and I certain things, if we hadn't accepted and we hadn't taken those things, it wouldn't have done anything for us, right? In other words, I had to come into agreement with what was read, and then I had to go and actually get what they gave me. Actually, it was sent to me in a letter, and then I had to accept that, and then I had to get a hold of it. In other words, I had to come into agreement with what was read, and I did, and I said, okay, and I took it, and I added it to what I have. So every time, like tonight, we, we, we gather here, we have church here because this is so important. You understand? We're not having a gathering tonight because of how many people show up. It doesn't matter if there's four or five of us. When the word goes forth and it's spoken, then you have the potential to be on the receiving end as an heir to every promise in his word. When the word goes forth then if you come into agreement, the things I'm telling you tonight, if you agree with these things because you see it in the Word for yourself, there's no end to what can happen in your life. Amen. That's the power of the spoken Word. And around here, we don't underestimate the power of the spoken Word. Ever. That's why it's so, it's so vital. It's so vital to our success. All the time, we live out there in an information highway. You get in your cars... How many turn something on when you get in your car? Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody turns something on at different times, right? Everybody turns something on. So what is it that you're turning on? I mean, how many, you're, like sometimes you're driving down the road and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to turn on some, some of that 70s music. Okay, so you know, listen to a little bit of that. But if you have a diet of that all the time, if that's all you turn on, it's going to affect you in a negative way. It will affect your life. Amen? 
That's why we have to be accustomed to turning on God's Word. we got to turn it on, be connected to it one way or another so that it'll affect our lives, and then we're in a position to get an agreement with what He says is so. But that's why it's so vital what you listen to. You can't just listen to anything that talks about Christianity. Like I was telling you last week about the, the little clip that I got of this guy preaching a, his whole message. His whole message was against Joel Osteen. His whole message. That's what he preached on. He preached on how corrupt and this and all these different kinds of things that Joel Osteen is. And I thought to myself, even if he was corrupt, I'm not going to touch the guy. I'm not going to touch him with my mouth. I'm not touching him. He's not. I promise you, he's not. But even if he was, I still wouldn't touch him. And this guy spent a whole message. You don't need to listen to that. That's not what I'm talking about. Just because it's associated with church. Hmm? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't really need to go listen to too much of the uh, church of Scientology. Amen. Yeah, it says church, but you don't need to listen to that. What you need to listen to is the Word, right. <laughs> the Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. Amen? And the power and the strength of that Word puts us in a position to come into agreement with what will transform and change our lives so that our life can help to change the perspective that people have of God. I'm just telling you right now, the system out there is not winning. We've already won. I'm going to say it again, we've already won. The system is not, when I say the system, the world's way of thinking is not winning. That system out there is not winning. God's already won. We're already on top. We're already victorious in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? I love this this, uh, verse of Scripture found in Luke 1 and verse 37 in the NIV. Luke 1 and 37 in the NIV. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. But you need to know that for yourself, and you need to be in a place where with your mouth, you are calling and declaring what God says is so. In other words, as it says in Romans 4 and verse 17, you are calling those things that aren't as though they are when they're not. Jesus' whole ministry was based on that. You remember when we talked about, we've talked about that a lot in the last few years. But you remember in the Garden of, uh, of Gethsemane when, when Jesus made this statement. He said this to the Father. Lord, if there be any other way, 
let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. What he was, what he was saying with his mouth was, Lord, my will and your will are not the same, but I'm declaring your will will be done. Amen. What did he call? He called what wasn't in him as though it was. And that's what he's been trying to get over to us forever and ever and ever. That's what he continues to be ministering to us. If we, no, no word from God will ever fail, but you can't just speak something that has to do with Scripture in the present tense because what most people do is just talk about how things are. What if Jesus would have said, well, Father, um, my will and your will are not the same, but I'm really tired of these people. I'm tired of what they're doing to me. I'm tired of the abuse. I'm tired of, the, you know, they're ungrateful. All I've done is good, 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 good for them. And they're, and they're so ungrateful, bunch of cusses. You know, uh, why should I even mess with this? If all he, all he would have been doing was talking about how the present condition was. That's not kingdom. That's not God. And the more in life that you talk the present condition, the worse it gets. You can't talk present condition. Jesus never talked present condition. Ever. All of, I'm thinking of all the different people that were healed through his ministry. If you notice, his whole thing was about their faith being challenged for them to be healed, taking a step. Um, somebody that, you know, uh, at, at, at the gate beautiful, somebody that had been um, uh, crippled all their life, and he called them well. They weren't well. But the moment they got in agreement with what he said, boom, well. Healing after healing after healing after healing after healing manifested like that. You remember the, uh, we read this story not too long ago. You remember the story of the, of the ten lepers? And from a distance, because you couldn't, with that leprosy, you couldn't get close to people. And from a distance, they, Jesus, have mercy on us. What did he say? Nah. You know, that, that stuff on your body is probably a result of sin in your life. He didn't say that. What did he say? Go show yourself to the priest. Huh? And what did they do? Why would we go show ourselves to the priest? They'll stone us. But what Jesus was saying to them was, what I'm telling you to do is your healing. And as they went, they were made whole. Right? But when he said that, I mean, those guys had no understanding. They just got in agreement with what he said to do. Every time in Scripture we find... 
in the Scripture what to do. If we get in agreement with what He says to do, it'll work just like it has from day one. All through Scripture, it's worked the same way. That's why one of the five characteristics that I've given you is hearing God. We have to hear God. But in this process, it's not enough just to know God. It's not enough just to have a knowledge of the Word. It's not enough to just, you know, acknowledge pretty words or pretty music or, you know, boy, that was a really good word that was preached. Boy, that was a great sermon or this or that or the other. It's not enough just to acknowledge those things. What are we doing with what we're taking in? And the greatest thing you can do with what you take in is take what you hear, you go to the Word yourself, and you make sure that what you're hearing is true. And then begin to call those things that aren't as though they are. That's what his, the whole kingdom is based on. 2019, well, just right now on, but part of what I'm going to share with you is about how much time I think that people have spent in days past in prayer for things that they need to know first before they get themselves in prayer. Now, and we've taught this for years and years, there's prayers of consecration where you are praying in the Spirit, consecrating yourself to what the will of God is, hearing the voice of God, right? Because we want to know what the will of God is. But there's no way to know the will of God by praying in the Spirit if you have no understanding of truth. We need the whole truth about things. So we need the combination of praying in the Spirit hearing the voice of God, but what we've got to hear is the truth that we know. If we know no truth, you can hear a bunch of mumbo-jumbo because there's all kinds of voices out there, as we talked about this year. All kinds of voices that want to lead you astray and try to convince you that something is God when it's not really God, and that's where we get a wrong perception of who God really is. There's a wrong perception of God because people don't have the combination of truth and spirit to know what is really God and how to work it. Listen, everything in God's Word is so simple and practical. I mean, it's absolutely, it's so simple. Everything in the Word of God is so, it's broken down and is so absolutely simple to do. And our Lack of understanding, humanity's lack of understanding is what is the biggest issue that we face. It's the biggest roadblock that there is. You and I are our worst enemies. Not the devil, it's us. Because the more truth I know, the more liberated and free that I become in knowing how to operate in the kingdom. That, that, that's the thing that keeps coming to me, that people don't know how to operate in the kingdom. People don't know how to be doers of the Word of God. They don't know how to apply the Word, how to call those things that aren't as though they are when they're not. 
not waiting around for things to become a certain way and everything change in the natural, and then I'm going to rejoice and give God glory, but to understand that the way to get there and to, and to see things manifest is, is based on what I'm saying over things in my life that appear to not be working and taking what God says has already worked and is already manifested, it's already there, and, and calling what I see here, not, not denying and, and not, you know, lying about my present condition. I'm not talking about that, but looking at the present condition, acknowledging the fact that, okay, I may not be physically well in my body, but that's not what I'm giving attention to. I'm, I, I'm refusing to allow the symptoms in my body to say that's the way I am, because what those symptoms say is that I'm sick. I say I'm healed, right? I'm not denying the symptoms. If you deny the symptoms, then you're, li- then you're lying. It doesn't work. It never has worked. But we have to learn in the moment, in situations, to begin to call in our present condition how God says we are even when we're not. And I, and I just tell you, I mean, to most people and a lot of the church world, that's crazy. But the truth of the matter is, it works. If you get a hold of it, and it becomes a way of life. Can you say amen? So, just tonight, I just want to look a little deeper in the last few minutes that we have. I want to look a little deeper into the love of God and hearing God and how they connect together in us having the ability to call things that be not as though they were when they don't appear to be. And it looks like they're never going to come to pass. So, in 1 Corinthians 13, let's look at that for a minute. We've looked at the first three verses in 1 Corinthians 13 when we've talked about this in the last two or three weeks. Um, But let's just take, let's read a few of these in here and and let's take these literally and let's think about them on a a day-to-day basis, okay? Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long, or one translation says patient. Love is patient and is kind. It's patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. Um, under, understanding these four verses of Scripture right here from verse 4 to verse 8, which are the characteristics of the love of God, um, I believe that this is the key to changing the perception of God in your life is understanding the love of God and how to live in it day to day. Okay, so when you think of patience and kindness, um, if you were to take a little aptitude test right now on patience and kindness 
and you'd be answering, how patient are you and how kind are you? And what if you let someone else answer that and you wouldn't know who it was? And then I read it to you and I said, Joey, there's a mysterious person that answered this for you and you're not going to know who it is. And they said that you're not patient and you're not kind. And they gave uh, examples and illustrations of how you're not patient and you're not kind. Um, if you ever let anybody answer certain questions like that for you or about you, their perception of your life, you find out a lot of times we think we're all right and we got it all together a lot of times. And from a different per perspective, uh, we realize that we're not that way. When you look at um, a couple of more, love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. There, there's no greater way, I believe, in the world to change the perception of the world than to understand the love of God. And love isn't defined like most of the, the system defines love. Love is defined right here. And love is defined right here by how I do kindness. And you're, you're, you're not going to be kind. If you're unkind to a certain person, you're not going to just be kind to them. It starts with what you declare over yourself. How do I call those things which be not as though they are? Let's say that Josh here um, has done something to me and he's irritated me and it seems like I'm just aggravated with him and, I'm, and I find myself being unkind to him in, in different situations. How am I going to change that? Some people want to change that by, eh, you know what, I'm just going to quit going around it. No, because the problem will be is that there'll be another Josh somewhere else right? That's not going to correct the situation. It's going to start by what I say. Lord, I, I thank you today that I am patient and kind. I haven't been patient with Josh. I haven't been very kind to him. I, my attitude was not right at the, and, and things they're here. But I'm declaring today that with Josh, because, because the situation, the, the person that you're having issues with, because all of these characteristics have to do with you and someone else, right? Or maybe a dozen others, <laughs> or the rest of the world. It has to do with people, right? So I've got to change the way I handle other people. And when, if I can get over the way I feel towards Josh, and I can get past my emotions with him, then I can overcome the next situation, right? right? So I've got to start by, by declaring, you know what? Lord, I thank you for patience and kindness with Josh. I feel frustrated in this area, but I know I can overcome, and I declare now that I am patient and kind with him in every situation. All the different issues that I've had there, Lord, I, I am declaring today I am patient and I am kind, or something along that line. That's what you have to personally work out on a day-to-day -day basis. It says here that love 
is not rude, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. In other words, doesn't think the worst of people. But, but the rudeness thing is, is a big thing. Because actually, in our society today, in, in some situations, it's almost really accepted and kind of cool to be rude and to have a rude attitude. You know, to come off like, you know what, I'm just going to act this way or do this or, or, or talk like this. So, so what if the Holy Spirit... The other characteristic that we're talking about tonight also is being able to hear the voice of God. So as I'm praying in the Spirit about how to deal with myself and God is pointing out to me, maybe, maybe, maybe because I let my wife speak into my life and maybe my wife has told me, you know what, you, you were with that person and, and you acted kind of rude. You know, what you said was not really kind. It wasn't very nice. And, and, and so, you know, I can either reject that and not receive a perspective that she has nothing to gain from that situation other than to help me and make me better, right? And you have to believe that about people that God has put in your life. But if something like that is spoken to you and you take that and you take the seriousness of it and you do something with it, the way you start doing something with it is by calling those things that be not as though they were. You know what, Lord? First you have to admit you're rude. Lord, I was rude in that situation, really didn't get it myself, had to be pointed out in my life, but I want to get past that. And you know what? I was rude, and I acted rude in that situation, and I'm declaring now that your love and you're in me, and the love of God in me is not rude. And I'm declaring where I was rude with so-and-so, I'm, I, I declare today. What I'm calling into being is what is really not working in my life. If I've been rude... And I was rude one time, then I was probably rude another dozen times, or however many times I was in that person's life. Rude, 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 rude. Rude is not going to stop until I start by changing what I say. Because you know what? When you're rude, you're selfish. And when you're rude and selfish and you're operating in that combination, you're always talking justification. You're justifying yourself. Am I? Am I? Oh, it's about to die. You're, you're rude when you're rude and what, what did I say? Selfish. When you're rude and selfish, then you're justifying your rude and selfish habit. And you're talking about it all the time. So you're telling yourself, you know what? I mean, I know I was a little bit rude, but you know what? If they would just, you know, act right there, and if they would do that, and they... So what you're doing is you're, you're speaking about how things are going right now. And the more you speak that way, the more it keeps you there. You stay rude, and you stay selfish, and you stay thinking about yourself. But if you start declaring, you know what? Lord, I, I declare today that that rudeness is being replaced with kindness in the name of Jesus. I declare, Lord, in my life today that that self-centeredness is being replaced with unselfishness. Lord, I, I'm thinking that you're showing me that person and I'm, I'm seeing inwardly and, Lord, you know, maybe they've done things, but it doesn't matter because if I'm allowing what they, the way they act to affect me so I act like them, I'm worse because I know better. Did you hear what I said? I'm worse because I should know better. I'm going to say it again. 
I'm worse because I should know better. And the only way anything's going to ever change is if somebody starts speaking the word. Because the entrance of his word brings light and life in a situation and reveals to us what we've got to do to make the changes. And if we don't let word come in, so in other words, if we just keep speaking things the way they are and talking things the way they are, then things will just get worse and worse and worse. But if we start calling those things which be not as though they were, even when they're not that way, the way Jesus did, then all of a sudden things begin to change the same way that they changed with Jesus. Amen? Because the things he did will do, and even greater things, because now he's gone to the Father. Now he's there by the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the truth we need in given situations on a day-to-day basis where walking in love is concerned. Can you say amen to that? Now, um, I just want to, what, what, what I want to tie together in that is, um, is found in Hebrews 3. And I'll, I'm just going to end with this passage here in a minute. <clears throat> Hebrews 3 and verse 15. And the writer here says, While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in, the, as in the rebellion, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Because of unbelief. So this is what I'm going to tell you tonight. And I'm, I want to I read a few verses in chapter 4. But here's what I want to tell you tonight. Unbelief is what is in all of our lives until we get the truth. They didn't enter into a place of rest and assurance of how real God was because of unbelief. We don't enter in because we stay in a place of unbelief. I'm going to say it again. You didn't, you didn't come out of the womb in faith. Right? You didn't come out of the womb in faith. So everybody is born into an unbelieving system, a world that we live in out here. Now, through the Word of God, we can frame our world where we don't have to live in that world. We don't have to live in that, in that thinking. But if we don't have the Word day to day in situation after situation, especially in situations where we're not kind, where we're ugly, we're doing these kind of things, we're selfish, all, all we are is about ourselves. If we're not putting the Word to work in those times then we won't enter into the place of rest and assurance of who God is. And then what happens is the world keeps the same perception of God because it's not changing in me. I have a responsibility for all the people that are in my life today in one way or another. I have a responsibility to know God, to love God, to serve God, to hear God so that when I hear God, then I'm able to put the word to work and walk in the love of God 
and see transformation happen everywhere I go because what God's really after is for me to be in health and to prosper. And the only way that's going to happen is my mind is renewed because of me being a doer of the word, calling those things which be not as though they were. Look what he said in chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, there's that promise. Entering his rest concerning what? Entering his rest, the word rest there is assurance. Entering the assurance that by his stripes I'm healed. Entering into the, the promise that remains of me, entering into a rest and assurance that he meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That love never fails, ever, never, 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 ever fails. That I can hear his voice and do what he says. And if I hearken and hear his voice and I do what he says, what happens? I begin to walk out of unbelief. I begin to walk out of unbelief. Remember, we were born into unbelief. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says we were born into unbelief. So we had unbelief from the beginning. We're getting free of not believing. And he said, this promise, therefore since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of us seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, meaning the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, which is a type and shadow of Jesus liberating you and I, right? But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. We choose to take the word we hear and do something with it. And I'll just tell you, you break it all down, you go farther, you read farther in that all the way to, down to verse 12, and you can see where it's the Word of God that does all the separating between our soul and our spirit, our thoughts, our judgments, the things in our life. The power to overcome in a situation comes from the Word of God and the entrance of God's Word. That's what he's talking about right here. So the Word was preached to them. The Word's been preached to us. Most of them didn't enter in. That's not going to be the way it is with us. How many can say amen to that? We're entering in. Why? How? By calling those things which be not as though they were. Is that right? Calling those things. Jesus told us, he made this statement in John 14, he said, what the world has and what the world gives is a fake peace. I've given you my peace. And when he said that, he hadn't given us anything. He said, I gave, I give you my peace. He hadn't given us a thing. He called what God said was so, it had become revelation to him at this point what he was doing and what he was going to the cross for and what it was going to look like and what he was going to have to accomplish and what he was bringing was that peace and that rest and that assurance that everything that God has promised, he is able to perform it. That's why I need to be reminding myself every day, every single day, of how amazing the promises of God are because every situation that you're struggling with right now, 
You may have something in a financial area. You may have something in a physical area. You may have something in an emotional situation. You may be having struggles with family members or friends or people at work or people here, there, wherever. Every situation that you and I face, he's already got the answer. And the answer is in the word. But I can pray over you, and I do every day. I speak the word over everybody in this body that's tied and connected to this body. I speak the word over you every single day. And that, that helps, but nothing helps in your life like you declaring every day what God says is so. And especially starting in the areas where you're struggling, you're struggling to overcome, calling those things which be not as though they were when it appears like they're not. Not calling those things which be not as though they were when they become. We need to call them that way when it looks like they're not that way. And that's where the change happens. Amen? In every one of our